0: Hi there, this is John Frenet and welcome to an Encore presentation of our Legacy Business Spotlight. These are best done in person and with the current state of emergency restrictions, that's just not possible. So we will be re-releasing our past episodes every Saturday at noon until this pandemic is in our collective rearview mirror. Until then, enjoy this Encore presentation of our Legacy Business Spotlight.
1: Some businesses succeed We're in the cutest little shack on 92 Maryland
0: Avenue. It's right at the corner of State Circle and Maryland Avenue with Elvia Thompson and Lynn Forsman, who are the founders of Annapolis Green.
2: That's us. Yes.
0: Live in the flesh in this great little place right here that hopefully everybody has been into and checked out and uh, all the great stuff that Annapolis Green is doing. Annapolis Green is, for those that aren't aware, is the environmental organization In the city of Annapolis, and they are...
2: We're a different kind of environmental organization. So we're not out there uh, boots on the ground fixing streams, you know, fixing runoff. We're not focused on oysters, but we kind of cover the waterfront, no pun intended, uh, with lots of different types of programs to bring attention to the different ways that people can get involved in protecting the environment.
0: Well, it's the whole whole carbon footprint, if you will. It's it's reducing the carbon footprint. And certainly, we can do some restoration of the bay. We can do some preservation of the bay. And um, but there's a lot of little things that we can do that make a huge impact. And that's where you guys really shine.
3: And John, um, one thing just to, to chime in when we when we first started, it really was uniting and bringing some clarification to the environmental organizations here. A lot of people were confused of, of all the different acronyms, which one really does what, and and we were trying to bring everybody together for a platform. So. Folks could better get a grasp of what was going on here locally, where maybe they might uh, want to align with what organization. So we started with our Green Drinks Annapolis, and that was a networking event, bringing people together. Uh, and almost at the same time, an online uh, website that really provided a lot of that information. That that kind of put us on our path to find out where our true niche was.
0: And now, Green Drinks is that a that's not your thing? Is I mean, that's, that's a national thing, right? international international
2: International, yeah they're about eight eight, somewhere between six and eight a little yeah about 600 and maybe 30
3: years ago was formed over at the slug and lettuce pub over in the uk and it was simply a way for folks that were at that point employed in the environmental
2: industry uh to come together and just have a conversation over cocktail yeah so you could actually plan a vacation around green drinks around the world So let's say you start in Buenos Aires and you... you This this sounds sounds like a fundraiser for for Annapolis Green to me. Oh, what a great idea. Uh, So what we did is we made it our own. And actually, they're all different. You know, some people are thrilled that they get 24 people together on the fourth Friday at the same bar all year long. That's not us. We move it around. We move it around um, trying to showcase places that are at least taking some steps toward sustainability. And, and to get people to what would be new places for them no matter where we go the most popular restaurant the most popular venue that isn't a restaurant there are always people who have never been there before even though they live here which is amazing but there you go and we, we started
3: with uh, you know maybe 20 to 30 people going around the room kind of you know who they are what brought them here today and then we outgrew that pretty quickly and now we'd like to Pick a topic that we do each month and then bring in some exhibitors, bring in people to talk to it. So we, we have a very short program, but really the gist of it is networking. Well, I've been,
0: I've been to a couple of them, and they're always well attended. I mean, you, yeah. I, I'm guessing, what do you have, 75 to 100 is probably um, maybe even more?
2: A hundred's probably the average. Sometimes it's more. Okay. Um, depending on when, where. And what it what it's competing with, you know, what other and our topic, yeah, and the topic. I I
0: know you've had it at the former Lowe's. I know you've had it at the new home of the uh, Chesapeake Bay Trust in Eastport, which is a beautiful building. That was a good one they've got there. I know
3: Homestead is a big repeat for us. I think that's probably the longest standing each year back to Homestead, which we will be again in March. And we probably get close to two to two fifty at that yeah. one.
2: Yeah, and mainly it's because people just at the end of winter, people want to see flowers. Sure, <laughs> but we've also had it at unusual places like the Summer Garden Theater. Again, that was one of those spots where a lot of people put their hands up when we said, "Who's never been here before?" And in fact, one person said, "Oh, I've, I walk by here all the time. I always wondered what that was." It's like, really so <laughs> that just kind of reinforces also that. Although we are an environmental organization, we also see ourselves as as uh, a community hub, because our belief is that if the community is not vibrant economically, socially, and environmentally, then it's not a strong community. Legitimate. So if the businesses aren't doing well, the environmental work isn't going to get done. You know, to that's, some extent, that's legitimate.
0: Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And
3: the beauty of Green Drinks is it's since it's so loosely structured and um, kind of relates to anybody. We get government uh, attendees, We get business folks. We get homes and, and housewives and husbands and kids, sometimes older kids, um, just coming to find out a little bit more of what's going on in the community in general. So in different types of businesses, some green drinks, maybe it would be slanted towards architecture or you know, a different you know, similar group of people. But ours is pretty diverse, and I think that's what keeps it. Well, I
0: think everybody has there, – there's something everybody can do. That's right. About in in such a small Absolutely. way. Absolutely. Now, how did this start? This is nearly 15 years ago. Um, was did this start over like drinks? Perhaps. Actually, <laughs> I mean, no. Was it, was it <laughs>
3: written
2: on a napkin? No. <laughs> um,
3: Senator I, I would, I told would, me
0: he got into politics over over, over drinks in a bar one oh, time. Oh, everything so. good
2: yeah. that happens starts <laughs> on a cocktail napkin. Believe Absolutely. it
3: or not, green drinks didn't start over a drink. Elvie yeah. <laughs> um, and I were both doing something similar at the same time until we came together, and, and we
2: actually don't remember how we met. Yeah, (laughs) I
3: think I saw her kayaking or something. But I was towards the end of my um, yacht charter company called Nautical Destinations and getting an increasing concern for the bay. Couldn't be helped. I actually started a... Go green, charter responsibly. Uh, attempt to truly deaf ears, but worked with the crews on the boat to, um, you know, make sure they were using the right cleaning methods and et cetera, et cetera. The caters and then I had a give back donation to Chesapeake Bay Foundation at the time. But it was really to deaf ears, and I was sort of, well, how can I start to get more awareness around here? And uh, through my background's hospitality and through those circles, heard about Green Drinks
2: International. So I gave it a, a whirl and started that up. Yeah but, yeah, but there's more than that. So you heard about Green Drinks, and you said, okay, drinks, well, sailing, Annapolis, how does that fit? Oh, yeah, that fits. That drinking town. So I figured it was a no-brainer
3: to try it, so actually the... Uh, Gosh, is it going to be fifteen? It was 2006, and I, I kind of made it as a birthday present to myself. And it was the end of end of February, and because I wanted to start something new. So there was maybe twenty of us over at what was what was then Rockfish.
2: Yeah. Okay. Then there's Elvia, the Elvia side. So, so Lynn was doing green drinks, and I was involved with the Spockery Conservancy. And at that time, we were doing the Wade Ins. I don't know if you remember that, John, where we would go into the. This is what. Uh, State Senator Bernie Fowler started down in South County, or I guess Calvert County, where you would walk into the water wearing white sneakers and measure the depth of the water at which you could no longer see your shoes. And that was like <laughs> okay. the layman's version of, of measuring water quality. And he still does it. He's in his 90s now, I think. So we were doing that with DNR in the Four Creeks in Annapolis. And so they people would do their take the measurement in the representative creek and then they'd go to the maritime museum beach and do back creek from that beach the the measurement and so all the environmentalists were there together and uh dnr was you know marking the 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 water quality and all that and i thought well wouldn't it be cool if we had a picnic or something so that the environmental groups could get to know one because obviously people just didn't know one another Uh, wouldn't it be wonderful if we could get a picnic together and everybody meet and get to know one another. Maybe we could work together. Nobody was interested in talking to anybody else. And I thought, well, this is crazy. So since I already knew how to do this, I put a website together with really minimum information. And the information was something like, well, so what's the difference between the Chesapeake Bay Foundation and the Chesapeake Bay Trust and the Chesapeake Bay Commission? You, you know, that kind of thing. Sure. It was confusing everybody. And then all of these... Orga- and it still does. Yeah. And then all of these organizations had events. So then the event calendar started. And anyway, it, it, it just got some traction. And then putting it together with green drinks that Lynn had started, it really grew. So it was online... And in-person connections. And so that's how we started.
3: Yeah, and it was off our dining room tables, kind of doing things sort of part-time. We really just ramped it up. So it really was minutes. kind of
0: equal parts of, I guess, environmental and uh, social type. I mean, it really merged the two. Well, we bo-
2: we, I think that we both started from the point of view that you get things done when people know one another, when you know, you've met face-to-face, and that is, has been absolutely pro- proven, all through this whole fourteen-year odyssey, that people who meet at Green Drinks or our other events, they already have that face in their head. They've got the business card, maybe that was exchanged, sure. and they're more apt to pick up the phone for whatever reason to talk about legislation, to um, inquire about a job, to you know just get somebody's advice. But yeah, know.
0: connections are are, yeah. are critical in yeah. any any way you way you look.
2: Right, and screen time isn't enough. You've actually got to shake hands with somebody and. I think
3: that's been the success through the years. And we always say,
2: many magical things happen at Green Drinks. (laughs) And they do. They do. People get jobs. Theoretically, they get boyfriends and girlfriends. (laughs) We've heard Uh, many, many many You've
0: got a a couple couple love love stories out of there? Well,
2: we've heard a few things, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It stays under wraps. (laughs) Definitely jobs, though.
0: Yeah. Very cool. Now, where have you grown? How have you grown? I mean, how do we get to 92 Maryland Avenue in a <laughs> um, wonderful own building and a huge, a great location? I mean, you're kind of uh, the Zachary's Jewelers of
2: the I upper end it. of
0: Main Street. I mean, you're right on the corner of two prime streets. <laughs>
2: well, it's kind of nice when you can just go out on the side porch and say, hey, Governor, how you doing? But with everybody loving the
3: person-to-person feel and with uh, the type of town Annapolis is, we figured somewhat like a little green community center would work here and so that was the initial idea of this fabulous location I mean if I could dream up my my favorite spot in Annapolis where I could exist it was here and the stars aligned and here it is and um, we're making use of it the best we can and we, we feel that we can do so much more um, well the we first part really of your showcase.
0: existence was primarily I don't want to say virtual because I mean you guys are working oh, yeah. what, no, we what, were. from home, yeah. home and what and whatnot mm-hmm. there and this physical location is only three years old, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the building is probably 150, oh, 150 years old. But <laughs> it's, it's
2: 119.
0: Uh, what goes on in here?
2: <laughs> Other than it being What's? our... Well, first of all, we call it the Annapolis Greenhouse. Because uh, it's our no house, because it's our house, but that sometimes confuses people. We have actually had people come in wanting to buy garden shears, you know. Okay. <laughs> it's
3: all right. Bring you them should in. sell them.
0: Yeah. Brings them in. We
2: sell them something. Yeah. <laughs> Information. Um, it, it it gives us a, a place to gather small groups together. We have had several events here, you know, of maybe 20 or 30 people, which is nice. Uh, everything from a baby shower, <laughs> legislative, yeah, corporate mm-hmm. meetings. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, it, and it just it gives us a it gives us a focal point. It gives us a, a, a presence in town um, on on Annapolis's most historic street, which is Maryland Avenue. I, I, and I was going
0: to say. I mean, I know you know with Midnight Madnesses mm-hmm. and the different things that the business communities do. Uh, certainly, mm-hmm. we're speaking right now. We're on opening day of the legislature, so I mean, you're going to see an uptick of business and uh, the movers and shakers, the people that think they're movers and shakers walking around town. <laughs> and you, you couldn't have asked for a better better location
3: right and so we want to take advantage
2: of the fact that we have this location and what can we showcase Mm
3: -hmm.
2: Um, well and and luckily the building also comes with a fabulous garden the first year we were here we took out the non-native shrubs and everything again with tremendous help from homestead gardens and so we we built a pollinator friendly garden and i call it the bee buffet i mean they (laughs) love it they there are hundreds of bees out there in in the warm months and then uh the following year we redid the other half of the garden. We kind of and, acquired that from our upstairs neighbor. Yeah. We planted native plants, you know, ornamental plants. And then we, we ran into an author who did an entire book on why not re author. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why not uh plant some vegetables in there with the plant with the flowers? So we did for the past couple of years. That we call foodscaping. Yeah. And that's the name of her book too, um, and it's just been great. And the secret sauce with our garden, both sides of the garden, the pollinator friendly. I know the part, answer to this mm-hmm. <laughs> is compost. It's compost yes, Christmas crab compost. That's there. right. And it really is. It's it's just amazing how the the vegetables, tomatoes, squash. Uh, this year, this last year, we did green beans. I mean, you, you name I it. I think it's, we
3: started with twelve plants, and Chesapeake Harvest um, yeah. from the Eastern Shore donated those and. Um, we were urban gardeners all through mm-hmm. the year. We we have friends come
2: and harvest with us, and <laughs> and we will again. Yeah.
0: It seems so funny on this little poster-sized slide yeah. talking about harvesting. Well,
2: <laughs> yeah. So, but the example so is that everybody everybody ought to grow some of their own food, even if it's just one tomato plant. You know, because it it makes that connection with the earth it' It's absolutely wonderful to be cooking in your house and go out and pick some herbs or go out and pick a tomato and put it in whatever you're you're making no, without it
0: without it. you doubt. know
2: and and so we're we're the example here of that. And then then we extended it. There's been a lot of problem with the the state house grounds and the circle that the elm trees, got the disease and and had to be taken down. We used to be a completely shaded
3: garden area. And so we lost three massive trees. And now this is the sunshine
2: that allows us to grow what we do. So, yeah. yeah. So anyway, the city or somebody, I think it was the city, took out this big elm tree on the sidewalk and put in a sycamore, but a little tiny sycamore, you know, four inches across or something. But but that's all they did. And so the tree well, you know, the space around the tree (laughs) was mud. And people were throwing cigarettes and litter and everything in it. So anyway, we called the city and said, look, what if we adopt this tree? You know, we'll take care of the tree well and plant some natives around it as an example of what businesses who have a tree in front of their door could do to beautify the city and, again, provide you know some, some food for the pollinators. So for the past two years, we've taken care of that spot. And as soon as we, we did that and put compost in, um, and planted some black-eyed susan's and some other flowers guess what people stopped throwing their crud in there you know because it looked like somebody cared about it it's
0: yeah sort of a, yeah it's sort of a it's a life story there you know if you, mm-hmm. if, you, if you give just a little bit of care to yeah anything whether it be people or yeah. trees or whatnot and there you are get some a lot more respect
2: there are some trees on on Main Street and West Street that are taken care of that have pretty flowers around them and all that and you could tell that the people who work there, probably pay somebody to do that but there are others that are just pathetic that really need help and it's not that big a deal to take care of you know a tree that's giving us oxygen and shade and so yeah so we know when we make something beautiful Mm -hmm. that it really decreases and the
3: you know neglect the trash the litter yeah um but that's another showcase that we have here our dual bins that are right out front that's right Um, Trying to showcase what Victor Stanley, which is a manufacturer here, a fabulous local company, also on our board. They are the containers that are approved by Annapolis to be used
2: for trash and recycling. And but there's no recycling on Maryland Avenue or State Circle at all, except for our bins out here that were donated by Victor Stanley. So for two years, we took care of the trash. And why is
0: that? Just because it's it's a commercial?
2: Yeah. Yeah, so commercial businesses have to pay for their waste removal.
0: And they, they don't have a recycling program for businesses. Well, there is a... Or a mandated one, I
2: guess. Um, actually, a business can sign on with the city for pickup if the
0: business is are already route.
2: on a residential route.
0: But in a commercial district, we'll say, yeah, you know, Maryland yeah. Avenue, yeah, Main but Street, you, know, we Street have, you pay for your own trash yes, removal. Yes,
2: but we have... Trash containers here on Maryland Avenue and outstate circle, but it's only trash. It's not recycling. Not mm-hmm. paired with
3: recycling, as there are a few on Main Street mm-hmm. and definitely right. down yeah. at the dock.
2: So anyway, for two years, the trash workers here were Lynn and me. So we would, we would take care of the waste. We'd take it home, essentially. Um, then finally, about what, four or five months ago? Yes. Yeah. It was a big moment. Yeah, the public works director sent you, David us an General. email, yeah, and said, okay, okay, I relent, we'll pick it up, <laughs> which is wonderful, because let me tell you, I know we have done dumpster diving like you wouldn't believe, and, and after, what's it been, 25, 30 years of recycling in this country, people still don't understand that a slice of pizza is not recyclable. (laughs) Really. it's yeah. You know,
0: I I will say that I think that in terms of recycling, when I was growing up and it was just starting to become in vogue, if you will, it was the biggest pain in the ass you could possibly imagine. (laughs) I mean, you were looking at the little tabs on the Coke cans to (laughs) see whether they had the triangles and this and the green glass and the brown glass and the clear glass and everything else. And it was no wonder that everybody was just no. But now... Recycling is just so much easier. Uh, the cities and e- the yeah. county makes it, you just put it all in one container. and
2: We convenienced ourself into oblivion. Yeah, mm-hmm. sadly. Because putting it all together, yeah, it's more convenient. But then Market it, makes, it makes people lazy as to what they, and, and there's a lot of what's called wish cycling. Like, oh, well, maybe, maybe this is recyclable. I'll put it in there. Because that's what government said. If in doubt, put it in. Well, that's not the case anymore. Now there is very little market commercial market for the stuff that could be recycled for one. And secondly, even to this day, only something nationally only something like nine percent of what could be recycled actually is recycled. And yeah. Recycling has become a very big challenge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. So it used to be all about quantity. When, when you could send it to Asia to be processed, now it's about quality, because Asia doesn't want any of our stuff anymore. So now it's paper, aluminum. And high-quality plastic. Everything else is worthless. Right. So that's why we have a campaign, and a lot of other jurisdictions do too, to cut single-use plastic. Things that you use for five seconds, like let's say coffee stirrers that mm-hmm. are not recyclable because of their size to begin with. But secondly, why would you make something that you're going to use for 10 seconds out of a product that will be with us forever?
0: True. Nice. Yeah. Why not Why not use one that will be with you Forever And just rinse it off In the sink Exactly I mean, it yeah. makes it As this. in well, a
2: spoon Imagine that yeah. well, well I, I know yeah.
0: Chesapeake Bay Trust Is uh, Shifting to All Non I know I'm going to the wrong Non single use plastics mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, And yeah. then they're You know they, they said it's a challenge Sometimes you sit there And you think about it It's like Oh I can do this better and it's just a, a mindset. Yeah, uh,
2: the, exactly, a mindset. Why would you reach for a paper towel when you could use a cloth mm-hmm. for a lot of things? I mean, if you're scooping out grease from a fry pan, okay, fine. But if you're just drying your hands at home for crying out loud, right, right. why would you make more trash?
3: That's you what know? they make
0: blue jeans for.
2: There you go. <laughs> yeah, <just right laughs> down on the- but the whole
3: plastic-free started with uh, two years ago, Elvia, when we – did the whole don't suck sip responsibly so ahead. I wanted, it with I mean,
0: th- there's three great things that you guys have really been ah, behind and we're going to okay. talk about them okay we're going to talk about the styrofoam ban in the city as well as the okay. county and what's now coming through the state and you guys weren't totally responsible for the state but certainly had a big voice within the state and the county and the well, city
2: we did, we did testify on a state level oh, yeah.
0: Too. yeah you do the and you've mentioned it three times about the compost mm-hmm. and this is your crab compost that you guys <laughs> it's like patented and secret recipe, special sauce, whatever you want to call it. But this is all the crap that comes out of the Rotary's Crab Feast every year because that is a 100% recycled event because of you two. And you take these rotten crab carcasses <laughs> and make them into beautiful things that can go into the ground and make your plants flourish.
2: Well, we get it to the guy who does that.
0: <laughs> okay, well.
3: Yeah. We'll give yeah. credit. Yeah. You're yeah. the, take the yeah. credit. Yeah. You? Yeah.
0: And, then, and then the other thing, which is, uh, is the um, straws. And the single-use, um, yeah. yeah. the the plastic straws. I mean, the plastic straws that came. I don't want to say out of nowhere, but it it was. I it's mean, they're they're the turtle. <laughs> they're non they're non recyclable.
2: Right, because of the size.
0: They're there. They're an environmental hazard when they get into the bay, yeah. um,
2: and they never break down.
0: You know, to they, the animals. They, they,
2: so that's the thing about plastic. Plastic doesn't break, break down. It breaks up into tiny little pieces, microplastic, which is in our bodies right now, John i can't remember the number but we eat like the equivalent of a credit card size of plastic every week or so
0: and these are just to make it real some like little tiny little microscopic little balls of plastic mm-hmm. that we don't know yeah yeah um but a credit card size mm-hmm. a, a credit card worth of plastic is ingested where do we ingest that from
2: food okay yeah yeah um it's it's i mean it 's a lot of it 's suspended in the air i mean it 's in a lot of places, but it 's in definitely in food so if you eat any kind of seafood, any kind of crustacean you name it there there is plastic that is microscopic in in all of that, and we eat that
0: and this is from them eating it from the animals eating it and yeah and because a of a lot, just, a lot, lot of the plastic everywhere the
2: plastic ends up in our waterways and then ends up in the ocean and and wow. and, and continues to photo uh you know, fall apart because of the sun and other conditions. But the point is, it falls apart, but it doesn't go away. It Doesn't go away. Mm-hmm. So that's why we're pushing so hard and have been for reduction of single-use plastic, like straws, mm-hmm. like like uh, cutlery, and, uh,
0: lots mm-hmm. of things, plastic plates, and, and mm-hmm. different things
2: like that. Yeah. So so you were talking about mindset. Okay. So so here's here's the typical mindset. You're going to have some people over for dinner. Let's say a barbecue. And what do you do? You go buy plastic plates and you go buy plastic spoons, right? When you've got a darn dishwasher right there in your own house, why don't you just use the stuff that can be reused again? And it is, it's not that people are bad or evil. It's just that they don't think, you know, so you've always done how you've been programmed been programmed by the great american marketing machine mm-hmm. yeah sure yeah no, I, well that makes sense so so people said okay well what do you why are you focusing on straws give me a break what difference does a straw make said 500 million people every day <laughs> <laughs> you know well, I, yeah you,
0: you sit there and you look and i'll, I'll come from a capitalist point of view mm-hmm. there when you sit there and you and i remember when this initiative first sort of took roots people were saying well, this is going to cost us X dollars to switch to something else. Not that they were resisting it, but that gives you an idea of what it is. I know remember when they were looking at this uh the styrofoam bam and you you're going to correct me I know cuz styrofoam is not the proper word but it's whatever. That's okay. um, it's but you it. know we'll call it the styrofoam Poly- bam.
2: expanded polystyrene.
0: Um, <laughs> yeah, right that. Sure. And uh, I remember um Alex Sachnowich from the county school board said to switch from that to the singles that was going to cost them something, you know, crazy like 1.2 million dollars a year. And you just don't think about that. And it's really you know, on the individual level Okay,
2: I'm going to flip that coin. What example does it set for those kids when every single day at lunchtime? They're throwing away. You're right. throwing away all this stuff.
0: No, you're, abs- you're absolutely being right. being subjected yeah. to it, you know. Yeah. Um, but, it, it, and again, it's a mindset thing. And I am so impressed with the way that this business community embraced that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were like, I remember Brian at 49 West was like, I'm in. One mm-hmm. of the first. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anthony and Michael across the street here at Galway Bay. The first. Yep, yep. we're in. Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: preserve. Set the, they set the example. Yep. I Pre- mean, there, there's preserve so not only switched over. They, they said, "Okay, the we g- we got all these straws. What do we do with them?" So we took them and we <laughs> yeah. and we, we got them properly recycled through a company called TerraCycle.
0: Well, I think. And th- the thing is, for restaurants and, and food service places that are hesitant about that, my thing is that what's even if you aren't going to go to a paper straw for whatever reason, why do you have to give? That straw out. Exactly. Why don't yeah. you just ask? It's much simpler, okay? Because mm-hmm. I, I know that, and this might just be my ADHD, but the only time I will drink through a straw is honestly at McDonald's. Because their straws tend to be a little bit thicker and, and their sodas and stuff and I don't go to McDonald's that often. but typically not I'll take a straw, whether it be a paper straw or whatever and I it just sits on the mm-hmm. side of my drink and I drink out of the out of the yeah. glass.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the thing to do is it, once in the restaurant business, once something gets to your tr- to your table, it has to be thrown it's away. Done. Um, so even if
0: it's individually
2: wrapped No if it's wrapped they can take oh, it back okay. but you, you'd have to make the, the request at the beginning you know when you first order it don't bring me a straw. And again, that's just
0: a mindset on servers. That's right. It's like any retail thing. like, how did you hear about us?
2: Well, what we're happy seeing now is that a lot of cashiers are now saying, do you want a bag? Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah, and the
3: campaign is always about... Not only the individual, you, the person, Mm -hmm. uh, the patron, but it's also then the staff at the restaurant, at the establishment. So you really – it's a two-prong to make it work.
2: Yeah, and that's what we offered the restaurants is training, training for the 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 back-of-the-house staff. Mm -hmm.
0: Absolutely. Well, I see that's also the next thing is is the plastic bag ban, or not the ban, but the – you know maybe maybe it's a charge. I know D.C. charges for bags.
2: Uh, Yeah, so the legislation that's up for uh, debate during this session will – not allow retail establishments to to dispense plastic bags. Um, and then there will be a charge for paper bags, but the charge stays with the business. So it's not a tax. It doesn't go to the government. Okay. It's it stays with the business. But think about it this way when you go and you buy something and you're given a plastic bag, you've actually paid for that bag. Sure. As Mm -hmm. part of the cost of whatever the product is. Sure. It's just re shift yeah shifting that
0: well again I think that. my daughter went to school in DC and I mean that was a bit now this is obviously the poor college kid but I mean it was like oh no I'm bringing my own because there's no way I'm going to pay a quarter for that bag
2: I always mm, carry a little bag with me yeah and
0: and even myself I mean I typically would go to the giant and I would turn around and and get the plastic bags or the paper bags that were there and now lately I I say lately and it's been probably about three years I went and I bought the three dollar canvas bag that they have and they stay in my car I just, you know, oh, yeah. they're in the trunk of the car and giant and a lot of the supermarkets have made it very easy to but the whole self-scanning thing and I find now it's very easy to be able to go in and um set my bags up in yep. the cart, walk through, I I bloop, 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 put my stuff in and I pack it. I go to the checkout. I scan it. Put my card in, and I'm out.
3: Yeah, yeah. and John, it's almost it's a two step program here because not only do you have the bags and you have them in your car,
2: the next biggie is remember to bring them into
3: the shop.
0: <laughs> <That's> <laughs> into the store. Too
3: many of my
2: friends. Are. Well, we're gonna get we're gonna get some new uh, grocery retailers here in, in in this area very soon. Um, right. Well, I know Lidl's coming that, in. Yeah, and, and they shops. don't give you anything. Right. And and Sam's Club hasn't given you bags ever. Right. And people don't seem to mind. So you know, it's just another way of thinking.
0: No, no, and, mm-hmm. they, and they will turn around and they'll take, I mean, I know Sam Sub will give you boxes if mm-hmm. they've got extra boxes that are laying around and yeah. not again, yeah. that's perfect. But j- but just
2: yeah. to kind of close the loop on what we were talking about a minute ago about the straws. So first it was, it was, let's go from plastic to paper. And now it looks like we're going from plastic to compostables. In fact, the compostable straws look just like plastic straws. Mm-hmm. You know, so all plant-based. Yeah. Yeah. Not petroleum-based. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Which is much better for so many reasons. People need to ask in a restaurant, if they're given a straw and it looks like plastic, ask the server, is this plastic or is it compostable? And for hopefully it, they'll know. Yeah. Well, like, for instance, at, at the – I've heard this many times. At the Boatyard Barn Grill in Eastport, people will be outraged. I was given a plastic straw, <laughs> and I complained to the server, and then the server said, no, no, that's compostable. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. We got gotcha. you. Yeah. We gotcha. yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about the um, – Crab feast, yeah. And this, you—you you guys have been very instrumental in a lot of festivals that have come into town, and—and and that has got to be the most egregious way to look at waste, if you will. When you look at a festival, when you get four or five or ten thousand people in there, all drinking out of plastic cups, mm-hmm. single-use plastic cups, just throwing their paper—you know—paper plates and everything else away. Mm-hmm. You've gone into any number of different festivals, and you've worked with the organizers to be able to bring in recycling bins trash bins to be able to get this separated. And the biggest one that you guys are doing is the world's largest crab feast here in Annapolis. <laughs>
2: and now the world's largest Large zero, zero waste, zero waste <laughs> crab feast, yeah. yeah. So um, it was actually Lynn who first uh, approached the, the Annapolis Rotary about that. Do you want to talk about that? 2013, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and
3: again, I came into this from a hospitality background, so it was just so apparent to me that there could be room to move on all these events and festivals that Annapolis had and how much waste that was being generated. So at that time, recycling was still much more of a profitable way to go. So we started with um, getting grants for dual bins that offered recycling and trash. Really, it was trying to divert as much as we could in the way of recycling. And that's where we started with the Crab Feast. Uh, They were doing it, Rotary was doing cardboard, very minimal recycling. Uh, we started with their preferred dining pavilion as year one just to kind of test the waters. And uh, success, and we could work together. And it really, I have to say, if you have a partnership with an organization that gels, that, that's willing, that's very that's engaged, it, it makes it so fabulous. And, and that's what the Rotary is to us, uh, Annapolis Rotary. But it was
2: really interesting at the beginning because there are a lot of um, older members of Rotary. And who'd been doing this crab feast forever? This is their fiftieth year. Our age? No, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. Well, even older than we are. Yeah, even older. Um, and you know, they just weren't thinking about this. And they said, "You want us to do what? You want us to separate what?" Yeah. But they got it. They got it. Um, and and they were, they're all in. Mm. And, that, and then wonderful. we went bigger.
3: Yeah, (laughs) and that's when we forged a a fabulous relationship with a gentleman, Justin Garrity, with Veteran Compost. Um, He has the only permitted site in the state and is a Iraqi War veteran and bases his business on hiring veterans. And we started his, quote-unquote, special event arm, really – the Rotary Craft Feast is the largest one that we do. So he he comes down with a staff for that event. Um, we work with the rotary to every single thing that they purchase and use in that event, we assess and make sure that it is compostable, able to be sent to a professional composting facility. To be turned into the soil amendment, so it's it's a procedure. But um, once you get it done, it's not, you don't even have to think hardly what goes where. Um, you're faced with the alternative is a can, um, some plastic water bottle. Sadly, right. we haven't been able to get rid of that yet. But we're working uh, on it. But we're working on it. So there are very few things that are only able to be recycled. Everything else goes into our compost tote uh, that that we take away for almost. Fourteen and a half tons
2: to get processed. That's two full dumpsters of crab, as you said, crab carcasses. Crab carcasses. Carcass, uh, Maybe I don't know what. The, yeah, <laughs> soup bits, uh, watermelon rinds, the trays that the crabs are right, right. On. The, that's yeah. the the, the knives that they pop the the right. the crabs open with. Those are all compostable and Malice. the cups. So when when the beer distributor comes in, we have to have them put their beer their plastic beer cups away. Because we provide, well, we Rotary right. provides the cups, so right. that everything's compostable. So the people are done with eating their crabs, and they walk up to the waste station, and we tell them everything goes in there. And they always say everything, yes, yeah, everything, just drop
0: the tray and all, and everything, just- right. yeah, and
2: except we- for the soft drinks, which are in cans, full, which is great. Cans are wonderful because they're recycled one to one. So what we need to work with them now, and we are, is on the water side, so that. They don't feel compelled to provide single-use plastic water bottles, what I call throwaway plastic water bottles. Okay. It's a
3: darn easy. Solution. And and
2: the thing is that the soft drink distributors provide the water for free. So how does an organization like Rotary, that's trying to make money for really good causes, turn away free water? You know, so that's that's where the mindset needs to be shifted. You know, think about okay, they're free, but what's the downside?
0: The city has actually adopted in like a lot of their public places. I know the Pitmore Rec Center has the um, the fountains to mm-hmm. refill the bottles, which which certainly do help.
2: Yeah, well, that's a nice segue. Thank you. Yes, which uh, led us to. Yeah, yeah, which led us to. Uh, we had a campaign last summer called Plastic Free Annapolis, uh, which was paid for through a grant that the city obtained from DNR, which was actually NOAA money. You know it's the mm-hmm. way things work, so um, we got uh, some money to talk with uh, restaurants and other establishments in town about their use of single-use plastic and it was really super successful and I'm I'm pointing at Lynn because she actually was out there boots on the ground talking to the restaurants. Yeah Yeah, we we did this program um, along with
3: the city and it really was first to go and introduce the concept to the restaurants because they had the most of it going on, but then other businesses as well and residents on how they could take steps to be more plastic free in their life. So we actually put together a toolkit in a in a in a compostable clamshell, and we had examples, we had quotes, we had resources, we just had a lot of tools in this toolkit that the restaurants could take a look at, engage with, take steps with, um, and we actually went out on. On the street and met with probably close to about 40 establishments um, in the course of uh, a month last August. Yeah, we were jamming. Highly successful, lots of interest. What was best of all is hearing the stories from everybody, just what they have done and their enthusiasm and where they were going and getting more ideas from what they were doing to share with the rest of the group. Sadly, our... Our grant and our tenure of this uh, experience kind of came to a quick close, but it's something that we really want to ramp back up again this year, not only for Annapolis, but to take it out into the county.
0: Well, it's something um, that, like you say, even just a little thing out that they grab out of the toolbox uh, mm-hmm. goes it goes a long way if they yeah. can do it. I mean, I, I don't think you guys expect them say to adopt absolutely everything that's in there, and it's not feasible no. for some people, but no, and, little and pieces will make not- a big Changes. We don't
2: want to eliminate all the plastic in the world that would be crazy. I mean if I if I go to the hospital, I want that stuff to be disposable, you know? <laughs> um but it's just it's it's the single use mindless mm-hmm. use of this product. Sure. But I one of the, the
3: the biggest takeaways from this was just again, the enthusiasm of the different establishments and folks that were all in and what they had discovered on their own and in mentoring and sharing that information with the other businesses. So we kind of saw that there was a really great opportunity there to really build this momentum and getting the different places to talk amongst one another. And so that's that's like going to be phase two as we move forward.
2: Yeah, you know, if, we get, if we get some funding, um, and we hope that we will, we'll be able to set up a peer-to-peer kind of thing where an organization that does this well, like the Irish restaurant company that owns Galway Bay and, uh, where they could, they could be essentially the professors, you know, talking (laughs) to other, other restaurants. Um, now we do realize too, that some of these decisions are corporate, you know, when you have a chain restaurant, um, and that's a lot more difficult to push, but you, you do you the best it, you, you can. Get it,
0: you get it the other way. Yeah. You mm-hmm. turn around and then you have people supporting yeah. locally owned restaurants, and uh, if all of a sudden people stop yep. supporting the corporate Absolutely. restaurants. They'll listen. But yes. then,
2: and there's also the power of the pen. I write letters all the time. I write letters to the CEOs of companies, particularly companies that overpackage everything. You know how just everything's in plastic for crying out loud. Sure. So anyway, I write letters, and the letters start with. Dear so-and-so, and you have to do some research usually to get to who the heck is the CEO at this right. big company. And the letter says, I want you to know why I didn't buy your product today. And I go into that. And I almost always get an answer.
0: That would, that would, that would get the attention of yep. pretty much anybody, I would think. Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> and here's, th- here's
0: why I walked by your restaurant and didn't eat.
2: hmm Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. But, but it, you know, and we hear from people all the time. I was in this restaurant, and they gave me a straw without asking. I said, well, did you complain? Well, no. So, how do you think it's going to change if you don't complain?
0: Absolutely. Right. The other big thing that you guys have done is it's been instrumental is on the uh, poly, polystyrene uh, styrofoam.
2: Yeah, there you go.
0: And the city of Annapolis now is styrofoam free. That's right. The it county is, is about Refreshing. to come styrofoam free, Feb- I believe in, in a February. Of mm-hmm. And, and uh, the state in July. And then the state mm-hmm. is, is behind it. And that. the
2: manufacturer of polystyrene moved away, left Maryland. Well done. The thing about styrofoam, and this is styrofoam for food use only. We're not talking about styrofoam for insulation. Right, and packed with
0: your computer monitor or something yeah. like
2: The styrofoam, it's not just the fact that it breaks up into little pieces and is just devastating because it looks like food to a lot of animals. Sure. But also, it's the manufacturer of the product. All kinds of toxic chemicals and, you know, it's just bad stuff. It's Here's not- the thing that a lot of people don't realize. There are products out there that are made of polystyrene, but not expanded polystyrene. So expanded just means that air got injected into it, which is what gives it its insulative quality, right? But the Solo Cup, you know, the red cups Mm -hmm. that people think are recyclable are not because they're made out of polystyrene.
0: The red Solo Cups are not plastic? Who knew? Well, they're plastic. (laughs) I guess guess (laughs) plastic is sort of an all-encompassing term. But not
2: recyclable plastic. Really? Uh Uh-huh. There's a takeaway. Yeah.
0: Wow. Uh hey universities are you listening to this i know
2: (laughs) when there are compostable (laughs) cups available and even if the compostable cup doesn't make it to a compost facility to be turned into compost it's still better in the landfill than a petroleum-based plastic that's going nowhere yeah right
0: that's the fascinating stuff what is the best way to get a hold of you? Obviously, we can come over here like 11 to 5, Tuesday through, was it? Tuesday through Friday on at 92 Maryland Avenue. Yeah, 11 to 3. And yeah. you can we're, go. We're on.
2: actually here more
0: than that, but those yeah. are the official. Hours. It's a never ending. Yeah. It's a never ending. Well, when you
2: battle. run a nonprofit, it's pretty much 24 7. I hate to tell you. And the beautiful thing is, we have people wandering in
3: our door. Mm-hmm all the time yep. it's it's great it's great serious things curious. like yeah what do you do here anyway yeah got one of our board members that way <laughs> <laughs> that sounds fantastic. a couple actually <laughs> we did
0: um website uh, online you're at an anaplescreen.com, mm-hmm. and you guys are registered 501c3 that we are or one of those kind of initial things mm-hmm. yes which means that you can take money and the people that give you that money can deduct it Yes. All right, of their things. So do you have the ability to donate right online on your website? Yes.
2: There's a big orange donate <laughs> button right at the top. That,
0: that's right. And you can slide checks underneath the doormat. <laughs> oh, yeah. They check that every morning, I'm sure.
2: Actually, we had, they are you, repairing our front door and we won't have
3: such a gap. Soon, you don't know. <laughs> know that you
2: don't know this, Lynn, but when we were selling the crab compost, I came in one day over the weekend and there was a $20 bill stuck in the door jam on the side porch. Oh, that's right. Somebody just took a bag and left 20 bucks. Oh, fantastic!
0: <laughs> yeah. and, we've, and we've got honest environmentalists. That's awesome. We do, and you guys have again. You bring the green vehicle showcase. Yes, um, oh, thank you for which bringing you, that. Up. Which you do here. You're involved in so we, many different. We are things. the
2: only ones who are advocating for electric vehicles, and we do this because it's a climate change issue.
0: And you so also walk the walk.
2: Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> I drive. I drive a Chevy Bolt. Love it. Yeah, but the more um, the more infrastructure that we can get in place, um, and the city is all all in for this. The more people will buy cars and the more people who buy cars, the more demand there'll be for infrastructure. So it's a circle. But the point is there are no tailpipe emissions because there are no tailpipes. Right. You know, so you're driving literally, you know, like guilt free. And it's important because we don't have a robust transit system in town. You know, I mean, we do have a bus system, but it's being run on, on gasoline and diesel. Sure. Not good. The the school buses are diesel, not good. We're, we're working again with uh, the state uh, legislators this year to see if we can strengthen the school bus bill. It was supposed to be a requirement for school buses to be electric, you know, as they are replaced. Um, it turned into kind of like a suggestion, you know, to maybe help. Uh, local counties, you know, buy a few buses or at least look into it. So we're hoping to strengthen that. Working with the state to put in more infrastructure. We're, uh, the state goal is 300,000 electric cars on the road by 2025. Not there yet. We're at about nope. 10% of that.
0: Well, yeah. it's it's growing year in year.
2: It is, but it's it's, it's dependent on infrastructure. Mm-hmm. And the state is working hard
0: well, because I, n- I know that. that, you know, in the city of Annapolis and all their garages, they've got the charging stations. I know there's several businesses that have well, uh, it's put o- it there. It's only Knighton. Um, it's only
2: Knighton. Yeah, as far as city garages. Oh, really? Yes.
0: Okay. Yeah. Um, I know that the um, Pittmore Rec Center has yes. BG&E mm-hmm. put and, one in there and recently. And we were,
2: we were involved in that. We we pushed for that big time. Uh, luckily, our environmental um, director in Annapolis, uh, Jackie Guild, is all for it. She and I identified something like 15 sites city-owned sites where charging stations can go. And by the way, the new uh, library, I was told by the library director, that uh, that's going to have charging infrastructure, too. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: Fantastic. I'm excited for that library. Yeah. I'll tell you, we want to make sure you're following the Annapolis Green on Facebook. Uh, You want to get onto their newsletter because you will find out about the wonderful Green Drinks Annapolis. Which is generally monthly, but it...
3: Yeah, so uh, a few things up and coming. Our next one is going to be uh, right after the Environmental Legislative Summit, which is the 29th. And we're going to be going down to continue the conversation after the summit down to the Market House. So that's going to be on the 29th. And our green drinks are always 530 to 730. Um, Cash bar and some appetizers. And uh, and it is
0: free to go, by the way.
3: It is. It is. We we do have a requested donation sure. uh, at the door to Annapolis Green. So we can keep this going. Yeah. Keep going. Um, because there are obviously some overhead costs that we incur in putting everything together. Um, February, we're going to
2: probably be over at the new graduate. Can I March. tell them the theme in February? She can't help herself. Yes, I can't so. help myself. So we're very concerned about pollinators and also about the uh, decline of songbirds. So our theme is going to be the birds and the bees. <laughs> Show <laughs> some Annapolis love, <laughs> yeah, in February, right? Yeah, along
3: with the cleanup, and yeah. then and then in March we'll be back and returning to homestead gardens. So yeah, some great stuff, and we'd be remiss not to mention London Town Symphony. Oh yeah, yeah.
2: The London Town Symphony, our community symphony, okay,
0: which is a really hidden gem mm-hmm. in Anne Arundel County that very few people know about. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we do have the symphony here at Maryland Hall, mm-hmm. um, yep. But Fabulous. London Town is phenomenal. Anna Beneweg has been conducting it for years, and uh, yep, you're great.
2: So January twenty fifth, that. Performance is dedicated to Annapolis Green. And it's going to feature not only uh, the Pastoral Symphony, um, Beethoven. Yeah, uh, some arias by the 2019 Miss America, who is a professional uh, soprano, but also the Thomas Point Suite written by Randy Nielsen, a local composer. And it is a beautiful piece of music. So that's what's going to open the show. Where, where is this one? A key auditorium at St. John's. A, a key auditorium? Yeah, and the price is right. It's $20 and even less for students seniors. Students are free. Yeah, and students are free. So come and share the passion of London Town Symphony. It's a volunteer organization.
3: You can't beat that.
0: That's for sure. Again, all of the information available at Mm annapolisgreen.com. There's no E on the end of that green. Not that anybody would do that, but it's just (laughs) G-R-E-E-N. And if you're out on Maryland Avenue, which I do encourage everybody to go out on Maryland Avenue and check it out because it's such a cool little funky street, uh, stop at the corner of State Circle and Maryland Avenue and check them out. They're at 92 Maryland Avenue. Right on the corner. Elvia Lynn, thank you very much for your time. And congratulations on all of the accomplishments and uh, what comes next. Love Thanks, having John. you
3: visit, John. Thanks.
1: <laughs> Thanks for listening to this special podcast for Ion Annapolis. Please be sure to visit IonAnnapolis.net for all your local news, events, and opinions. And in case you haven't already, please subscribe to the I Am Annapolis Daily News Brief, where we bring you your local news direct to your phone or tablet every Monday through Friday at 7 a.m. Subscribe on iTunes or Google Play.